and welcome to Make Good, the podcast about yarn and knitting from Scratch Supply Co. We're recording today from downtown Lebanon, New Hampshire, and we're really excited to be here. I'm Karen. And I'm Jessica. Our birthday weekend. We're so tired. So tired, you guys. <laughs> Y'all. It was so much fun. Friends. Oof. It was a lot, but amazing. Yes. And mostly we just want to say thank you. Yeah. For celebrating with us, for coming with us on this journey. It's also good, and we're so glad that you're a part of it. Oh, we wouldn't know about, like, any of the good yarn if people didn't tell us. I mean, where's your sense of adventure, Karen? <laughs> I'm wicked nosy and want to know everything all the time, so I would know about good yarn. Yeah, that's, that's accurate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it was lots of fun. And you know what? Even though we didn't get to have cake and drinks in the store like we used to do in the olden days, maybe next year. I was just going to say, let's do it again next year. Yeah. We're just going to keep doing this until we can have a full-out party party indoors. When we had to kind of squash the style of our fourth birthday, we were like, don't worry. This just means we'll do it up extra a lot for the fifth one. Now we've got two. We're on the store's (laughs) second COVID birthday. Our sixth birthday is going to be amazing. Wild. (laughs) But safe. Very safe. we're safety girls. (laughs) it'll be fine (laughs) apparently you didn't watch pretty woman as a kid (laughs) never mind so anyways let's get into the episode i'm ready it comes from a letter yeah it's one of those weeks (laughs) hey ask and you shall receive are you ready for your letter i sure am This week's letter comes to us from Laura. Hey, Laura. I was wondering if you could do an episode about mistakes. Boy, can we. (laughs) (laughs) How do you decide whether or not to frog back to fix an error, a.k.a. when is it worth it? What are your tips and tricks for fixing an individual stitch? And what else is there to know about getting things right? I've started using lifelines, which helps, but it's still always agonizing when I spot an error, whether it's tiny or large. Okay, Laura. (laughs) Thank you for asking this question. Many questions. Big existential questions. (laughs) So I have to say, Karen knows this well. The number of mistakes that knitters make is vast. It's a vast ocean. It is endless. We used to get requests at the store to run mistake-fixing classes. And the problem with that was knitters keep inventing new mistakes. Like, I cannot anticipate (laughs) the things that get brought to us. And it's all fine. There is no judgment in my tone here. I do things, too, where I'm like, oh, no, what did I do? (laughs) But it's so hard to think ahead to what might be wrong with that project that's coming through the door looking for help. We had somebody in a couple of weeks ago who had not knit a gauge swatch. Mm -mm. Her sweater had come out, so it was a seamed piece, and Mm -hmm. she'd finished basically the front section. It had come out too small by like four or five inches. A lot. And she started the conversation with, 
I need to fix this and I need you to know I'm not willing to rip this back. Good to know your boundaries. (laughs) Right. I was like, well, that was all of my ideas was rip this back. So (laughs) I think we came up with something. But like, I think it's really important as much as in the moment that baffled me as the person she was coming to for help. I think as the person who is making the thing, knowing what you are and aren't willing to do to fix your garment is really good for your like emotional well-being. Yes, because it gets intense, y'all. Like you <laughs> you are doing something that takes so much time and so much mental energy and you're dedicating financial resources to this craft. You are bettering yourself by learning new skills. You are maybe making things for other people, which has additional layers of emotional stuff attached to it. It doesn't have to be that deep, but it definitely can be. I've seen more than one knitter cry. And whatever your feelings or lack thereof about your knitting are, it's all good. But that is all to say that this conversation will not be a comprehensive accounting of all the things that can go wrong with your knitting because I just don't know what else you can come up with. (laughs) We will deal with them one goofy stitch at a time. Do you remember that her dog had eaten, not her dog had eaten her yarn. (laughs) The dog took a big bite out of the sweater. There were multiple, you could identify this dog by its dental records based on what it had done to the hem of her sweater. And she was like, so I'm thinking I maybe need to pull this out. Yeah. Sure. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. And that's horribly upsetting because it was on the edge. You couldn't really darn it. You could kind of cut your losses and just like do something decorative to keep it from getting worse. But there was always going to be dog. No, there were there were square inches of fabric (laughs) missing. So it took a little brain work to come up with some options. But I think we did it. She only lost a few inches of knitting. In the end, yeah, she didn't frog the whole thing. I think she just worked in the opposite direction to reconstruct the other end. And I asked her if her dog was cute, and she said yes. So I feel like... It's all good. Yeah, that was really the important thing. So I think maybe I'll start by saying, Laura, that if you're using lifelines, that's awesome. Yes. Lifelines are super handy and can save you a lot of heartache in your project. If you are not familiar with what lifelines are, lifelines are when you take a string of some sort. Some knitters like to use dental floss because wax dental floss is easy to slide out of your knitting. Some people just like to use a scrap yarn that is a different color, probably a finer gauge than what you're working with. So like if you're knitting a worsted weight sweater, you might use a sport weight lifeline or something. So it's easy to run through your stitches and it doesn't distort them. But what you're doing is working across a row and deciding, hmm, I don't want to have to rip back further than this if there is trouble in my future. (laughs) Say you're working like a lace pattern or cables or you just have a reason to believe that you need some security. You can use a darning needle and just kind of run that lifeline through your stitches and like let the ends hang out. It's not permanently in your knitting, but if there is some mishap that happens later on that causes you to frog, so rip your project out, you can just pull down to that point. Hopefully you have made some sort of note on your pattern so you know that that lifeline has been placed at row 57 and you're not staring at it going, oh no, (laughs) I'm here, but where am I? Right. 
you've given yourself some direction and your future self is thanking you. It's a handy tool. So if that works for you, that's fantastic. I'm not a lifeline knitter. I like to live dangerously. (laughs) I have done it. I was helping somebody, this was over a year ago, I think, with a Cinnabar shawl. Mm -hmm. And like the beginning of it was just totally getting her. And so she was putting in a lifeline every couple of rows. The cast on's a little fiddly and just like the further back she ripped it, the more challenging it was. Sure. So she was just trying to like incrementally get up and over that hump. It worked. Yeah. Lifelines are (laughs) awesome. It's good for brioche. I can't rip back brioche without feeling like I don't know what I'm doing still. Yeah, it's tricky. My favorite technique is if I need to pull back, I just pick a row somewhere and use a longer circular needle than I need for my stitches. And I intensely enjoy threading a needle through knit fabric. So I will just run my needle across and then wildly rip back to that point if I need to do it. Mostly I do that in other people's projects when they bring them into the shop. But that is a lifeline. Like it's not a pre-planned lifeline. It's not a lifeline because a lifeline is there to anchor and work forward. This is, I'm ripping back to my needle instead of picking up the stitches on it. Sure. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This is a tool of destruction. (laughs) Let's talk about a couple of common mistakes that are easily addressed in your knitting although they can feel intimidating. Dropped stitches are like public enemy number one. They happen for lots of reasons. Sometimes your stitches just fall off the end of your needle. Maybe you have slippery yarn or slippery needles or slippery everything, and then you're in trouble. Sometimes you just miss a stitch. You're like cruising along across your row and you're watching... I don't know, something riveting, like the Pink Panther. I don't know. You're watching something and you're really into it. And you miss a stitch and it doesn't get knit. And sometime later you're like, huh, what's that? And you have a little ladder and a rogue stitch that is running away from you. Hopefully not too quickly. And different types of yarn will do this to different extents. Superwash yarn or very fine yarn is going to slip down probably further or faster. If you're using like lopey or something, you could probably only knit half the stitches and it would all just kind of stay where you put it. I think if you lay two strands of lopey next to each other, they will just hang out that way for eternity. Yeah. Anything that's kind of slippery fiber is going to drop faster. So the sooner you notice that you have a drop (laughs) stitch, the better. So what do you do if you identify a drop stitch? First thing you do is you isolate the stitch. You identify what has happened and you go after that stitch. If you are not near that point, you're like somewhere far away in your knitting and you're like, wow, what's that little guy doing down there? What I like to do is take a locking stitch marker and just pin it through that open stitch so it can't fall down any further until you get back to that point. You might decide you want to keep knitting. You might decide that you want to shuffle your stitches around on your needle so you can go and address it immediately. But you got to catch it so it doesn't keep dropping. Yeah, just quick damage control. Mm -hmm. If you have multiple drop stitches, because that sure happens, take a locking stitch marker and lock through all of them. And as you pick them up, you're going to pick them up one at a time because it's easier to manage than trying to pick up four or five, or 15 drop stitches all in one go. But use those locking stitch markers. They're your friend. Or like a scrap piece of yarn or whatever you have on hand, a safety pin. Yeah. You need help. Yeah, you just need to get something through the loop. 
Doesn't matter what the thing is. And once you have stopped the runaway stitches, now what you're going to do is use a tool of your choosing to reconstruct those stitches. So you're going to see your little dropped stitch. And then above that, there's going to be kind of slack ladder rungs of yarn. And each one of those little hangy pieces of yarn is a row of knitting that has dropped out. So each of those will turn back into a stitch as you pull them up. You want to make sure that if they have kind of sagged and hung over each other, you kind of straighten out your fabric a little bit so you can identify which strand belongs on top of the other one. Don't do them out of order. That doesn't work. (laughs) I definitely have. Like I'll start picking up stitches and then I'm like, what's that thing back there? (laughs) And I'm like, oh, that's a stitch I did not pick up. I need to drop these down again and redo this. Generally speaking, if you are picking up knit stitches, you are pulling those strands in from the back to the front. If Mm -hmm. you're picking up purl stitches, you're pulling the strands from the front to the back. I do it wrong every time. Like the first time I do it, I'm always like, oh, that's wrong. That's fine. You can always drop it back down and do it again. Mm -hmm. If you are somebody who the thought of drop stitches makes your heart climb your throat a little bit, knit yourself a swatch and do it to yourself on purpose to practice. Because you have no emotional investment in that swatch. And you can totally just be like, I'm going to drop down the knit. I'm going to bring it back up. I'm going to not drop down some pearls. I'm going to bring it back up. No drama. Just practice. Mm -hmm. Are you a crochet hook or a knitting needle person? So I'm a crochet hook person, except that I'm usually too lazy to get up and get it. So then I'm a knitting needle person. But if I had it at hand, I would use my crochet hook. How about you? I am team knitting needle 100%. (laughs) A lot of times you'll watch videos on how to fix a drop stitch and you will see this knitter pull a crochet hook out of thin air um, (laughs) or maybe her notions bag or maybe his top knot bun. Like they've got their tools wherever they have their tools. I have no crochet hooks anywhere near me at any time, maybe unless I'm standing next to our needle wall at work. Like I just don't have them. And in the show notes, we're going to link to a video and a blog post. It's all in the same place from Coco Knits that shows you how to pick up drop stitches. And the person's hands in that video is holding their little stitch fixer tool, which is basically a tiny crochet hook on like a tiny short handle. So you wouldn't actually use it for a crochet project. It's just for fixing stitches. But you can use a hook to reconstruct those knit stitches Or you can use knitting needles to kind of recreate the same thing. And it's totally personal preference. There's no right or wrong way to do it. Just get it done. You might notice after you pick up a series of drop stitches that your fabric looks funny there. Oh, yeah. Don't worry about it. That will get itself situated when you block it after you're finished. So don't stress about kind of wonky tension there. Those stitches were in the right place at some point. They've got like bedhead. (laughs) They're a little disheveled. (laughs) Things will go back to how you want them once you finish your project. So what do you do if you are knitting cables and you look down and you realize that one of them is just like going the wrong way? You shed a tear. (laughs) I have to say, I used to knit cables a lot. I haven't really in a bit, but I used to do it all the time. And I always felt so stupid when I would do this. Why? I don't know. No, I do know. Because you're hard on yourself for (laughs) things that are not that serious. I I would always be like, how did I not see that? 
But that's not how cables work. Like it happens to everyone. It's very low stakes, low stress when it does. Like you can fix cables. There's never any situation where you can't fix cables. If it's so complicated that you can't fix them, you can't see that it's wrong. No one else will ever see it. That's your metric. If you're like, I can fix this, then fix it. You're like, uh, that will require me to do calculus I am not prepared to do. Leave it alone. Yeah. See, here we're diving into an aesthetic issue, whereas a dropped stitch affects the construction of your fabric. If you drop a column of stitches, you're going to have a big gap between the stitches to the left and to the right of that dropped column. A miscrossed cable is not going to make your hat not fit your head or have a big gap. It just means that the legs of the cable are either crossing to the left on top or to the right on top, and they should have gone the opposite way. Right. So it's very much just an aesthetic issue. Some people will do this intentionally in their knitting as like their mistake that is placed there on purpose, if that's a thing that you do. But if you did not do this intentionally, and knowing that it is there will leave you seething, will make you sad, (laughs) it hurts your heart, it offends your sensibilities, then you must fix it. Yes. There are two ways to do this. And it depends on how much you care (laughs) (laughs) about construction and having the stitches be technically correct or having the stitches look correct. Right. Because there are two ways to get there. You can intentionally drop your cable, the braid that you're creating, down to the point where they're miscrossed. Maybe you have to drop down four rows. Maybe you have to drop down 47. At this point, we're starting to get into personality type issues. (laughs) (laughs) There are some people who will spend weeks reconstructing a single cable to do it correctly and also not frog the whole piece. Right. There are some people who will say, no one will ever see this. My life continues, no matter what that cable looks like. If you are going to drop a cable to correct how it is crossed, you only want to drop the cable stitches, not the purl stitches on the side of it. That's unnecessary. Oh. So if your cable is crossed, like you're doing a two-by-two cable, you just want to drop those four stitches and not the purls along the side because it will just be additionally messy as you're trying to clean things up. So I think you are underestimating the cable mistakes. Let me tell you the mistake I always make. And mm-hmm. I think this is why I'm like, why did I not notice this? I don't miscross my cable. I will misdirect one leg of my cable. So like if it's supposed to be an X, instead it's just of it a being... a wavy blob? Yeah, it's like I'll take the leg that's supposed to point to the left and I'll make it also point to the right. So I have like an equal sign on the diagonal and I don't know how I do this without realizing what I'm doing. Either way, don't drop the purl stitches on the side. Right. I don't underestimate any knitter's ability <laughs> to do some wonky you-know-what. Like, <laughs> I, I have no idea how these things happen to any of us, no matter how <laughs> experienced or new to knitting we are. It's life. Some days are just like that and it happens. So you can drop down, you can recross your cables, you can pick them all back up and fix it, or you can pull out your darning needle and you can duplicate stitch right over the top of that miscrossed cable. Oh! If this is a two-by-two cable, you've crossed in the wrong direction, you are going to want to not knit, let's call those two stitches A and B, 
You're not going to want to do duplicate stitch like A, B, A, B, A, B. You're going to want to duplicate stitch all of the A stitches, so like that column of stitches, and then all of the B stitches next to it, and you will have nice, even two-leg cable cross. Ha! In the show notes, we are going to link to a wicked old yarn harlot post about correcting mistake crossed cables with duplicate stitch. She's done some little like Microsoft paint shop or something (laughs) like drawing on it to show you what's going to happen. But it's handy. And there's also a YouTube video from Pearl Hunter showing you how to drop stitches and recross your cables. Awesome. Mm hmm. What if you just have one of those little inexplicable smooth edged holes in your knitting? <laughs> <laughs> Where do those come from and how do they happen and what do we do about it? So this is a real puzzler until you know why <laughs> yes. the funny hole is there. So sometimes something happens and you have picked up your knitting and nobody knows why this happens, but you start working in the wrong direction. I've seen it happen to flat knitting, flat stockinette scarves. I've seen it happen with people knitting beanies and cowls. I saw someone with a whole human sweater before (laughs) came in (laughs) and she had started knitting in the wrong direction halfway in the torso. And suddenly, instead of all knit stitches on the outside of the sweater, there was a big section of pearls. And she's like, where did these come from? And I was like, well, it looks like at some point when you were knitting, (laughs) you pulled it out of your bag inside out and just ran with it. And now you have turned it right side out again. And it's really confusing. It's a design feature at that point. No joke. (laughs) Like it was, it was a lot of fabric that had been knit inside out. And then she started going again right side out and was like, what is going on? (laughs) And could hardly believe what I was telling her. (laughs) I think what I like about that story so much is that I would super a thousand percent do that. Probably have and just haven't noticed yet. You know, like. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, these things happen and who knows? Maybe you were watching a movie. Maybe you were distracted by the dog. Maybe you were knitting in the dark. These things happen. Sometimes, I haven't done it recently, but sometimes I kind of fall asleep where I'm knitting. Yeah. I'm on the couch, and my eyes just kind of close, and my hands are still going. It's a thing. Who knows why you knit that thing backwards, but if you get turned around in your knitting, we're back to you have two options. Option one is you can live with it. Yeah. <laughs> and that's just what you do. It's a design feature. It is a funny story for your fiber friends. Option two is to rip it out. You can frog it. There's really no way to correct a partially knit row, like an unintentional short row, and then moving forward from that point the wrong way. There's no easy way to fix that. You just have to make it go away. I think there's a secret third option. What's that? And it involves some visible mending. Sure, you can button up that little hole. Yeah. If your fabric has gone from stockinette to pearl because you're knitting in the opposite direction, like all knits to all pearls. Right, that's not, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can definitely, if, if you're just going to leave it like that and you want to close up that hole, just a little stitch will button that right up. But if your fabric is different, it's just different. It's avant-garde. I think at that point you have to just roll with it. Unless you don't. <laughs> 
Right. Unless you're just like, I'm starting this over. Yeah. Or sometimes you put it in time out <laughs> and you tell yourself that you're going to make a choice. And in seven years, you're like, what is in this bag? <laughs> and you look at it and go, oh, no. And you put the bag away. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> Let us never speak of this again. So that's a thing that happens to all of us, maybe, or at least me. It's like a rite of passage, I think. If you are in this craft for the long haul, every mistake will find you. Some of them you will actively pursue on your own, <laughs> but, but some of them are just going to come and say hello. <laughs> They're coming for you. Yeah, it's okay. We all deal with it. Don't get too, oh, too yeah. stressed out about it. <laughs> What do you do if your stitch count is off? Like if you spot check and you count and you're like, oh, I have 53 where I should have 52 or 51 where I should have 52. That's easy. Just fudge it. If you're off by like one stitch, you can definitely take the time to forensically go through your knitting and identify where that happened and take reverse engineering steps to correct it. But really, if it's just one or two stitches, knit those stitches together. You know how to decrease. Use your skills. <laughs> you need to create a new stitch? Make a new one. It's fine. Think about what you're knitting. Does it matter that you're off by one stitch or two? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. Almost always no. I mean, it's the beauty of choice. <laughs> you get to decide what makes the most sense for you. If you've got textured fabric, if you're knitting seed stitch, please don't be off by one stitch. Right. But like you can just increase or decrease to correct one stitch somewhere. What if it's like a lot of stitches? Not that I've ever done this. What if you're missing like 13 stitches randomly? Yeah, that's a different story. <laughs> then it's time to put on your detective hat. I don't know. I, watch, I used to watch a lot of Law & Order and I don't think any of them wore hats. Are they knitters? If it's a knitting detective, they probably wear a hat. No, I don't know. <laughs> so you need to put on your detective hat and figure out what went wrong because you're going to need to make a correction. You can't fake 13 stitches. You just can't do it. That is going to significantly affect the shape and size of the thing that you were making. And it makes a difference. And then you're going to have to have some real talk with yourself about what steps you need to take to correct it. I can't anticipate why you're off by 13 stitches, but you did something wrong. Here is a problem I solved for someone in the store not too long ago. She had stitch markers. One of her sections had too many stitches and one of them had too few. Sometimes it's just that your stitch marker is in the wrong place. Oh. <laughs> yep. I felt very smart when I was like, let's count the other sections as well. <laughs> yeah. Total number of stitches is correct. Poorly placed stitch markers. Yeah. Every once in a while, you get lucky like that. Mm -hmm. As an aside, I hadn't really thought about this as I was getting ready to talk today. Stitch markers are important. Yes. This is a mistake that knitters make sometimes. I recently helped someone in the shop who was like, I don't know what to do on this row. I can't figure out where my stitches go. And I read the pattern with her and I said, well, you just make these increases next to your stitch markers. And she was like, well, how do I know where those are? <laughs> I was like, let's look at setup row one where it says place marker every X number of stitches. And she was like, oh, do I have to put those there? And I said, yes. 
Those are there to help you. Yeah, those stitch markers are there because it says to increase knit one slip marker. Doesn't tell you what number of stitch you're at. You're just following instructions next to the stitch marker. So you need to follow the instruction in the setup row and place the markers appropriately because everything else is based on the marker as your landmark. I'm just going to do a little PSA here. When you're using stitch markers, the way you use them is you slip them from your left needle to the right needle when you come to them. You don't knit through them. They're just hanging out on your needle between the stitches until you're done caring. They're giving you information about where you are in your knitting. (laughs) And if you are somebody who has ever knit a stitch marker into fabric without knowing how or why, they do make them that either open because they're clips or are just open as like a fail safe. Those little like spirally ones that you could just remove. Mm -hmm. Or you could just have bling. You could have bling. Or if you have like wire cutters and you really want to get rid of them, you could probably just snip them out. Just don't cut your stitches, please. (laughs) Because that's a different knitting problem to fix. Okay, so what about back to the situation I was talking about right at the beginning of the episode? Wrong tension, wrong gauge. You're far into the project. Something changed between your swatch and your sweater. Okay, here's our real talk point of this episode. (laughs) You are going to need to make some choices. So if you have knit, let's, we're just going to use the sweater example. You have knit a sweater. Maybe you swatched. Maybe you didn't. If you didn't swatch, let this be your opportunity to learn that swatching is valuable. Your sweater is not the size you expected it to be, either because you didn't swatch and your gauge is wonky or something has happened. Because that happens too. You know, your swatch can only tell you so much, but say something really stressful happens to you and suddenly you are knitting way tighter than you did when you did the swatch. I have knit entire sleeves on the wrong size needle. I've knit entire sleeves, like I knit Mm -hmm. one on the right size needle and one on the incorrect needle. I've knit whole sleeves where on my circular needle, I've replaced one tip and not the other. Mm -hmm. So it's like a four and a six. Wild things happen. All sorts of things. And you don't know until it (laughs) finds you. So if you're having huge tension issues, gauge issues, you can try aggressively blocking your knit thing. This may or may not work. It's worth a shot if you care to try. But at some point, if your fabric is just really wrong, it's time to frog it. The question of when to frog your knit is, for some people, the big stressful question. Because you've put a lot of work into this thing. And it's one thing to be four rows into a project and say, oh no, this is not right and frog it. It's another thing to have knit a whole sweater or a huge shawl or something and then say, oh no. This is not right. So get help. (laughs) Like ask for support. If you feel like you can't do it by yourself, it's okay to ask your knitting friend to frog it for you. You might not have a knitting friend who is able to do it either. Or you might have one who is waiting, like spends their whole life waiting for someone to ask them to frog something for them. That's me. I want to frog your sweater. (laughs) You can send it. I'll just do it. Yeah, for some people, it's a difficult thing to decide, but I think a healthy way to look at frogging your finished hand knit is that if you have knit something and you are not happy with how it turned out, 
that's going to prevent you from wearing it. If you're not going to wear it, what is the point of having it? If you rip it out and knit it again, that just means you get to do more knitting, (laughs) which is like the whole point of this craft. We just knit things endlessly. We're constantly looking for the next project. Maybe you need to knit something else as a palette cleanser before you try that sweater or shawl or whatever a second time. But now you have more information than you did before. And you have the opportunity to do more of what you love and end up with a finished object that you want to wear. That's pretty exciting. Mm-hmm. It can feel hard to get there. But in the end, I don't think I've ever encountered a knitter who frogged something and then re-knit it who was sad that they frogged it. Right. True. It's just like a journey to get there. I've definitely frogged things and found an exciting way to make a different mistake on the second attempt. Yeah, that does happen. (laughs) And you know what? You live, you learn. That's right. So what's on your needles, Jessica? More of my sweater. Yeah. My Rhinebeck sweater. It's looking good. It's fuzzy. It's stripy. I really like that boucle. It's fantastic. Just the word boucle, it conjures a certain image. It's good. Mm -hmm. Well... I think boucle is come back and it yes. is like modern boucle. Right. I think that's what it is. I just, I was a child of the 80s. I, <laughs> well, I feel like boucle has a bad rap because it existed in an era where it was mixed up with fun fur and other novelty yarns. Yes. And it's not that. Right. It's just not. It's just texture. It's not novelty. It's curly and amazing. <laughs> I love it. What's on your needles, Karen? The Cladonia. I actually made a lot of progress this week, so. That's so exciting. It's good. It's still a fingering weight color work sweater, but I love it. It's really exciting. You're getting closer. Yes. It's going to be ready for Indian Tangled. It's happening. That's amazing. Love that journey for you. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. Love that journey for my sweater because it's going to get to take it while being worn. That's right. Traveling (laughs) sweater. That was a really weird thing to say. That's okay. All of this is weird. And yet we keep doing it. Yeah. Because it's fun. I think that might be it for us this week. Yeah. Like this week's episode was a letter. Yes. No more letter. We're just going to button it up. Send us letters for next time. We'd love to hear from you. Tell us about your amazing mistakes. Yes. If you have a good mistake picture, please send it to us. Oh, pictures are the best. Definitely send those to us. You can subscribe to our podcast anywhere you get your audio podcasts. Rate and review us because it helps other fiber friends find us. You can follow us on Instagram at makegoodpod. We'll post a picture of your mistake knitting. (laughs) I'll post a picture of my mistake knitting. That's where we share our pictures. That's right. Unless you support us on Patreon. And then there's more pictures. (laughs) I was just thinking you were going to try to hold support us on Patreon or we're going to share a picture of your mistake. I was like, this got dark real fast, Jessica. We're not. We don't blackmail people. We give Patreon supporters extra content. Mm -hmm. And send those pictures and emails and questions and letters to our email address, which is dearscratch at scratchsupplyco.com. And that's it. That's all we got. Bye.